0: This week on Persistence U, I am so honored to have Carrie Sprancy, who is patching in from the Netherlands. Carrie is from the United States, and she has an amazing story to tell about what got her to be a resilience coach. Far, far, far different from her history working in plastics. And so I want to hear about Carrie's, we we want to hear about Carrie's personal story and where it led her to and the amazing transformation that occurred. Thanks so much for being here, Carrie.
1: Oh, thank you, Elizabeth, for having me. And yeah, calling in from the Netherlands all the way to Alaska. I'm not sure we could get further apart.
0: (laughs) I know exactly. That's exciting, really. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Well, tell me a little bit about that pivotal moment when your life changed from. What at least a professional life that sounded like it was steady, we can say mm-hmm. to a life that is exceptionally fulfilling, and the spaces in between,
1: yeah. so you know, I am, um, as you mentioned in the in the intro here that I was a a in corporate America as a sales rep for an architectural resin company based in Salt Lake City. And I had been doing that for like 15 years. Now, I had become a mom when I was 18 years old, my high school boyfriend and I got pregnant, we got married before I was 21. And my son was three, we got divorced, because I mean, I don't know about you, but I am a completely different woman now than I was at 17 years 18 years old so yes yeah and so you know i had these big dreams funny enough i actually um had been at one point in my life accepted to the university of fairbanks and so alaska was like in my in my future but then oh my goodness know, yeah life happens and um i had to take a different route and so from that point sort of for the next hmm, let's say 20ish years it was a whole lot of hustling and doing what I had to do. You know, I had this child that I needed to take care of. I had my college education that I wanted to finish because I knew that if I didn't, life was going to be just so much harder, right? right. I had, um, his dad was kind of in and out of his life in those early years. And so it was That's a hard. whole lot of, yeah, it was a whole lot of have to. Sure. Whereas I like to tell my son a whole lot of get to's, right? Like we get to do our homework. We, we get to pick up our room. We, there's just some (laughs) things in life that we get to do. That's right. Um, Even if we don't want to so much, (laughs) even if we don't want to so much, you know? And so, um, yeah, there was a whole lot of that. And then, in 2017, a month before my 41st birthday, I uh, wound up in the emergency room with severe abdominal pain, and mm. a few oh. days later, I'm laying in the hospital with staples from my navel to my pubic bone and a colostomy oh, bag, God. and the doctors tell me it's stage four colon cancer, that what had caused all of that abdominal pain was a tumor in my colon had ruptured, and I was going septic. Oh, and we mm-hmm. caught it, yeah, they came in and said, if you had been just an hour later, you would have been in complete septic, septic shock, and I, I probably would have died. And so for, yeah, I mean, it just like, it the train went off the rails at that point, you know? Like, I, I did have this very, I used to joke that the job, I had been doing that sales rep job for for about 15 years, and I used to say, like, I can do this job in my sleep, Right. And I can do this job in my sleep. I mean, it was right. kind of one of both, right? Like on, on the one hand, it was really great because I had been doing it for so long. It was quote unquote easy, if you will. Sure. But I had been doing it so long that it was kind of boring a little bit. And right. I was sort of ready for a change. But the income was great. The lifestyle was great. The, the company was great. Like there was so much good about it. And it was just sort of maybe my restlessness that was making me feel like I wanted a change. Well, cancer brought on change in a big, big way, right? Oh, yes. Over the next 18 months, I literally battled for my life. I had five surgeries. I did 12 rounds of chemotherapy, 25 rounds of radiation, had a colostomy, and then an ileostomy. And one of the surgeries, the doctors literally told me, we don't know if you'll survive get your, get your stuff in order. So my then 23 year old son and I did my will. Oh. We planned my funeral. I was like, here's Oh, all the passwords. Here's all the bank accounts. Here's what, here's all the stuff. I and mean, it was rough, right? Right. And you were and, so
0: young. You yeah. are so young, but you were so young when life is just starting because you put him first for so a good long time. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. he's a young adult. Life should just begin for you to have a kind of a selfish moment. And this
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, you're totally right. Like I love him and and for your listeners and anyone who's a parent, you know, you never stop being a parent no matter how old you get. I mean, I'm 45. I just was home in Salt Lake City visiting my family and I'm still my dad's little girl, you know. Oh, we just that. always are, right? Sure. And you're always a parent. Um but yeah, there was this moment where I was just starting to like I had a new boyfriend. I had just started renovating my house. I'm, yeah, I just was like, okay, here we go. This is, I've worked so hard. This is the moment when I really get to sort of enjoy the fruits of my labor, if you will. Exactly. And then then boom, cancer. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, this is freaking BS. Right. This is is bullshit. What is happening? This is so unfair. (laughs) Here I've been this mom busting my ass for these last 20 some odd years. I just start to find my stride. And then you're going to give me this WTF. What is happening?
0: Right. What's happening here? Yeah.
1: What is happening? What a feeling of betrayal, you know, for you make a lot of good choices.
0: And somehow or another, this happens instead of what you thought might happen. So, yeah, totally.
1: And, you know, this is funny because as I'm telling you, I've told this story so many times, but what's occurring to me at this moment is just that you know, growing up, I really did have an idyllic childhood. My parents were still, I, I really did. I mean, it's not, it wasn't the Waltons, but it was really damn close. And right. so I just had this picture in my mind that I was going to just have this sort of easy breezy successful life. And then because of my own choices, I get pregnant in my senior year of high school and have to say no to all of these scholarships and like life gets hard. Right. And I muscle through it. And I keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I take 10 years to do my four year degree. And, you know, we we get through it. Yes. And then just when I sort of feel like I said, I'm catching my stride, I get this cancer diagnosis, which literally knocks me on my ass. And I, I remember just thinking like, okay, wait, this this challenging, hard, struggling life is not what I was meant to be doing. What is <laughs> happening? This is not what I envisioned at all. Right. You know. Um. But I think that's kind of the way of life, right? Like we really to to for the most part, we really can't control what happens to us. Correct in our life. But what I discovered as a part of uh, as this cancer journey was that, and then reflecting back on everything that had led up to that point, the thing that I sort of innately knew, which now I teach other people to discover, and, and that's what Jomo, the joy of moving on is all about, is about remembering that you always have choice. And how you're going to behave and in how you're going to incorporate what happens to you into your life and your attitude that you're going to take and the people that you let into your life and the things that you say yes to, you really do have a lot of choice in your life. Correct. Even when it feels like you don't, they may not be the choices
0: you wanted, but you still have choices. And Carrie, I think that's such an important message. They may not be the ones you saw coming. <laughs> right. I've been there too. Yeah. But, but you still have choices and that's such a better way to, to look at it. It's a true thing. But on the other hand, just that knowledge determines how you show up in the world. You know, you can be a victim and say, why me? Why me? Bad things always happen to me. Or you can mm-hmm. look at your options and then see what it brings you. And see what it brings you. So great, Carrie. That is so lovely.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: How long did it... So you went through all of the chemo, the colostomy, the other ostomy, and then how... (laughs) That's a lot of ostomies. It is a lot. lot How how long did it take to get through the worst of it when you realized you're going to come out the other end of this in a good way?
1: Oh my gosh, that is such a good question, Lizbeth. because, you know, I... So that diagnosis was in January of 2017, and mm. it was December 2017 when I finally had my last chemo treatment. But between January and December, I had had multiple, like four surgeries. I'd done the chemo, I'd done the radiation, and I'd done the colostomy, and then the ileostomy. So lots of bags and, and all of that. And, and, and there was, it, that was hard. For sure. And then I have my last chemo treatment and I've got to recover for six weeks. And then I'm going to get put back together and I'm going to have no more bags. And I it was like I mean, better than Christmas. I don't even know how to describe how in how much I was looking forward to that day. Like everything's going to be okay. I'm through this. I'm going to be back. I'm going to go back to how I used to be. Oh no. Uh-oh. Getting put back together after having my digestive system not do any or the majority of my digestive system do nothing for right. 18 months. Uh-oh. Reset me back to like a baby. So I say that I'm 45 right now, but my digestive system is 3. Oh no. It behaves exactly like a 3-year-old's would. Okay. I it that it was the absolute worst and you know, the medical system, unless you've been through it, there's literally no way to know exactly how challenging that is. I mean, I had, I was sleeping in the bathroom, I could not be 10 steps away from the toilet. It was, I, I ended up having to to use the toilet and then step into the shower. Like, right, it, it was, it was so bad for so long that the doctors actually started testing me for this bacterial disease that the name is escaping me right now, but they were like, if you have this bacterial infection, it's really, really serious. Like it could kill you. Right. Because it just would not stop. And the most, the hospital gave me was a list of like these foods, loosen stool, these foods, Stool. I'm like fabulous, but you know what? My belly is like a three year old. Three year olds can't just chow down on a full on steak and all the food that we adults are used to eating. You've got to build up that bacteria. You've got to build. I had my my whole system had to relearn everything.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And now here we are. What? So that was 2018 when I got put back together. This is 2021 that I'm speaking to you. So we're what three years? right three and a half ish years into that recovery. And I still go through bouts of I don't know what I ate. I don't know what I've done. But I am in the house for a day and a half.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, you
1: know, not literally almost sleeping next to the restroom. You know, a good day for me is like, yes, I didn't have an accident in public. I travel All right? With yeah. what I call a diaper bag now, because I just don't know. So to answer your question, funnily enough, the recovery from cancer was way worse than the actual cancer.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: This discovering, this relearning how my body works, how it operates, how to control what to eat has been by far the hardest challenge than any of the other sort of battling cancer stuff I had to do. And that's why it feels wild to say, but... Sounds like you had to
0: start from ground zero, you know, just like, bang, we have to figure everything out completely. You're right, from babyhood almost, like, how do I feed myself now? How do I go about my world? How do I, do I work at the same job? What do I do Mm -hmm. uh, to incorporate this new way of living into my whole life?
1: Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. And you know, I think, as I'm telling you this right now, I'm also thinking about how you know, right now in this global pandemic that we're all in and and some of us are starting to emerge from it with the vaccinations and things like that. I know for myself with this cancer journey, I was looking forward to this moment when I would get put back together and everything would go back to normal. Oh. But there's yes. if there's there's no there's never a going back. There's right. only a new normal forward. There's only a moving forward with what is at this moment. And I think for so many of us, as we start to emerge from this pandemic, we're t- we have to relearn how do we do this thing? How do we right. do life with each other and the overpopulation and our differing opinions and, and so much? There's, sorry about it, but there's no going back.
0: Right, right. There's, and there's, there's life before and life after and absolutely. never the same. Exactly, the
1: same. exactly. Which so isn't, oh, it's not bad, but it's it's just what it is, you know, it's yeah, what it is. There is, and, and I think that there's a totally legitimate space to grieve the loss right. of what was, mm-hmm. whether that's from the pandemic or like in my personal case, the loss of, of who I was BC, before cancer, and, right. and who I am now PC, post-cancer you know, Fantastic. and some, sometimes I talk about my life in that way. Like BC, it used to be like this. And now PC, it's like this. And um,
0: everything for you changed, like even your job, your, you know, tell us about a little bit about how you got into the work that you currently do. You had a career that was Lucrative in plastics. Mm-hmm. And then there was life after cancer.
1: Yeah. So in 2014, just a little bit before um, my my cancer diagnosis, I met who is now my husband. He was also worked for the same company. And we met in the very uh, cliche rom com way of at a sales conference and uh, just kind of, you know, fell in love, started to do this long distance thing. And then I got sick. And, um, We had been talking before that about how I had been doing the job for 15 years. Like I said before, I can do it in my sleep. I, you know, a little bit bored and and all of that. Well, over the course of those next three years, my now husband, then boyfriend, got a new position, got a new job with a different company. He was just kind of starting his career. And then I get this diagnosis. So when the doctors finally... When I finally got things kind of under control and the doctors were like, okay, we're we're good with everything that's happening. Now we're just in this maintenance. So now we're just in every year. You get the follow-up scans and the and the all the things, and we'll watch it for the next five. I said, Okay, great, then I'm moving to the Netherlands because I had been doing this job for 15 years. I had lived in Salt Lake City for 40 plus. My boyfriend at the time had just gotten this new position. And I just thought, you know, after everything that I've been through, I can't, I, I cannot just go back to selling plastic. I just can't do it. I feel like if I do that, then everything that I've been through, everything that I've learned will have been wasted. Right. It felt really selfish to hold on to, and to just keep the things that I had learned to myself. For some reason, I just felt all throughout the whole cancer journey that it was happening to me for some bigger purpose, even though initially in the beginning, I felt like this is really unfair at a certain moment. And I don't know if I could precisely pinpoint when, but at a certain moment, something clicked over and it felt I started to just see it from, and maybe this is that Jomo, that choice, right? The joy of right. moving on as I just chose to see it with a purpose behind it, that that there was something larger at work here, and that this was the way in which I was to learn the lesson so that I could then teach others how to be more resilient, how to embrace their choice, how to, how to really truly find their Jomo, the joy of moving on.
0: Fantastic. Okay. I love that phrase, joy of moving on. And so then how did you parlay that into your coaching business?
1: Yeah. So then I, um, so I moved to the Netherlands and was like, I, you know, I've got to do something. I, I am the first to admit that I'm an extreme extrovert an extreme FOMO junkie. I am that person that will just start chatting you up in the grocery line or at the bar or <laughs> sometimes on a plane. It depends how I feel. Sometimes I'll chat with you on the plane. Other times I want my headphones in, but it just depends. But I am that person that will be like, Oh my gosh, I love your shoes. Oh, that handbag's So great. You know, just, just right. chat people. Cause I, I just love people. And so I thought, you know, there's this part of my personality that that really enjoys this. You have done so much work self-help wise, you know, you've taken so many courses and classes and certifications. You've had all of these life experiences do something with this. Right. These these experiences can help other people. Plus I saw a lot of people in my life having health diagnoses, um starting businesses and failing them, you know, relationships ending, having difficulties getting pregnant and just watching how, how life can really knock people down and knowing that I had tools and resources that I could share that could help them move through those things with a little bit more grace, a little bit more joy and see them as just one piece of their entire life. Not the whole thing. And I right. think, you know, when we're in something really difficult, when you're when you're deep down in the hole at the moment, it can right. feel like that's all there is. You can feel really confined, almost like with tunnel vision, but that but that's not true. The truth is that's just one thing that's happening in your life and there is so much else going on and so If You can open up your vision a bit more to see the fullness of your life. It can help you walk through that tough part a little bit softer, a little bit lighter, a little bit easier.
0: I love that because even in the midst of horrible, horrible, awful things that we might never have asked for, Mm -hmm. there is humor. There are people Mm -hmm. who showed up that didn't need to. Sometimes there are people that you wished showed up but didn't, but but really there are more people that show up, you know, that never needed to, but you get to see the best in people sometimes during the worst of times. Mm -hmm. And it really is important to teach ourselves to look for those things to then color our lens differently as we're moving through it. You know, we're never going to get over it, but we may move through it and be... I'm writing a a little book myself right now. I'm going through some hard things, but, Mm -hmm. you know, a crisis can refine you. It doesn't have to Mm -hmm. define you, but it can refine you in beautiful ways. And it has for you. It has completely refined who you show up in the world as and how you serve other people in your business. And so that's so beautiful. You didn't see that coming probably, but that's a wonderful thing.
1: Totally. Yeah, you know, and and I would like to say that had cancer not happened that I would have been brave enough to quit my job, sell everything I own and move halfway around the world from the city and the people and the friends and the family that I knew to be right. with this for this new love. I would love to have said that I would have been brave enough to do that and and the truth is I I don't know. I don't know if I would have been right. without this. But cancer was just like life is too damn short. Wow. To, to not do the things that your heart is really yearning for, to take the risks, to be brave, to put yourself out there, to try the business, to, to do the damn thing that you've always wanted to do because in an, in an instant you can be faced with something you did not ask for. Right. Um, or didn't expect. And then, then what? Then you're looking at right. like, Oh, if only, well, I'm done. I'm done saying, if only I'm saying, why not? Let's go. Right. Let's try. I it. love it. Yeah. If not now, when
0: exactly, you know, that's a kind of a new thing I've been saying lately. If not now, when exactly, So I think that's fantastic. How exciting. Yeah. Now tell us a little highlight of your life in the Netherlands. Like how different is that? <gasps>
1: oh my gosh. What's a day
0: in the life like? <laughs>
1: Well, a day in the life is, um, no, the Netherlands is really, really beautiful, but it is oh. it is a different culture. I mean, as you would expect, right? But I mean, sure. it's a, so there's a couple of things that work here for me when I first moved. I think one was coming from Salt Lake City, which you, so the Netherlands is one sixth the size of the state of Utah. So You can fit six Netherlands in the state of Utah, but the state of Utah has three and a half million people, a million and a half of those living in Salt Lake City, then the other million and a half spread across this huge territory, right? The Netherlands has 17 million people in it. So we're dense. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. So just the density of people, like there's no space. So when I first moved here I started to feel quite claustrophobic with just so many people and cars and trains and bikes and just like so so much it was overwhelming and then also growing up in Salt Lake City, the the city the, is nestled between two mountain ranges. And so wherever you are in Salt Lake City, you can look to the east or the west and see the mountain ranges. You can spin me a hundred times in one direction and flip me upside down and all I have to do is just like look at one of the mountains and then I know north, south, east, west. Well, the Netherlands is, is flat. Okay. I have... And, and to me, honestly, almost all the streets look the same and no street is straight. It's all curved. And like, I, I just felt so ungrounded. Then you've got the wind. I mean, it's the land of windmills, not for no reason. Then you've got rain. They count the sunshine by the hour, not the day. So there was a lot that I just was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Where oh. am I? But now that I've lived here nearly three and a half years, it is so beautiful in its own right. And the Dutch people are lovely. And the language is fun to learn, very hard, but fun to learn. And I just see so many connections between English and Dutch. And oh. It's been really lovely. And with, with the lockdown, I guess fortunately, with the lot with the, the pandemic, you know, our borders have been closed for well over a year. And so it's really given me and my husband, frankly, an opportunity to explore the Netherlands. And we, we've been to places, he's lived here his whole life. And you can drive from one end of the country, from the south end of the country to the north end of the country in about four hours. And you can drive from the east side to the west side in about four hours. So oh my for me in Utah, that's a weekend trip, right? right? You know, but for the right. they're like 30 minutes away. No, I'm not doing that. That is too far. It's really funny, the different mentality. So there's places oh. he's never been. And we've had this opportunity to explore, which is great. And I think, you know, had the pandemic not happened every weekend, we would have been like, you know, flying to Switzerland or Italy or whatever, you know, and that sounds really glamorous, but that's like going to California for me in terms of like time on an airplane. And we probably would not have had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to really explore this beautiful country. And so I'm really grateful for that part. Yeah. It's been been such an adventure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you just got to go home for a brief, things are well Mm -hmm. enough now that you got to go home for a brief visit and come back. That's so terrific. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Well, I love the life you have created that came from something you didn't ask for, but that is certainly fulfilling, it sounds like, and really exciting and not Something you can do on autopilot, like your former job, wonderful as it was. Exactly. So that is so exciting. I'm really grateful that you are here. Now, where can people find out more about you? I know that you do some writing and really good writing.
1: Uh, Storytelling.
0: Uh, Where can people find out more about you and your coaching business? Because you have a lot to offer.
1: Yeah. So I think the best place to to interact with me right now is my website, which is carryoncoaching.com. And it's spelled like my name, K-A-R-E-Y. So carryoncoaching.com is the best place that you can learn about how I coach and the techniques that I use as well as read my blog. Um, I am on Instagram as well, but the the website is a good place to start. And then from there, you can connect on whatever sort of social media platform is your preference.
0: Fantastic. I Mm -hmm. love it. And I cannot thank you enough for being here. Thank you, Carrie, so much. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend, and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnooga Network.